Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. You're born dead in your sins. That's the reality of humanity. Like it or not, you're born a sinner. I was born a sinner, born dead in my sins. I needed to be born again, and I was. 19 years old, that's when I was reborn. We are surrounded by dead people. Christians ought to have time for dead people. That's kind of like why we're here. Death is such a scary thing for so many people. It's the one thing we know nearly nothing about. But is it really so frightening? Pastor James reminds us today that no matter where you are today, we were all born dead. We're born into this world being slaves to sin. You've been through the struggle. Keep in mind everything you went through before you were saved. You need to maintain that level of empathy and compassion for everyone else. Care for and defend the dead who've yet to be born again. Now here's Pastor James in the book of Acts chapter 9 with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. healed instantly and the whole population does this literally mean everybody I'm gonna take it as yes okay now I could be wrong maybe there's a handful of people who didn't okay but this is telling me that the whole population everybody in that little village the two villages that are represented here they see this guy walking around who they've watched for the past eight years cannot move and they hear his story so what I love about the story, when Jesus healed the paralyzed guy, forgave him of his sins, and then healed him, he told everybody, hey, don't tell anybody. Don't tell anybody. Okay? We're like, why? No, no, don't tell anybody. In this story, it's unhinged. The gospel is unhinged. The guy gets up, walking around, so that gives us an indication that he probably does roll up his bed. Maybe he threw that thing in the trash, right? Because you're like, I don't even want any reminders of that past life. I don't want anything. I'm going to throw it all away. I'm walking in newness of life. Eight years, the guy just gets up instantly and starts walking. You tell me, no physical therapy. That alone is another miracle, okay? Walking around, and I promise you this, Peter isn't the only guy who has to tell people about Jesus in these two villages, because now you have a brand new witness. He's not qualified. Boy, I'm sorry, he's saved. He's qualified. You're saved? Qualified. Boom. Done. Done. Okay? He's walking around. He is a visual, a living testimony of the power of Jesus. And everybody is turning to the Lord. Insane. So why this guy? Why on this day? Probably to save two villages of people. That's probably why. And Peter goes on. Well, he's there. He's hanging out in the town. And then little, you know, unbeknownst to him, about eight or ten miles away, in the town that we're very familiar with, because we, before we started the book of Acts, we spent a month in the book of Jonah, which is where this next town is located, concerning that story, Joppa. It says in verse 36, there was a believer in Joppa named Tabitha, which in Greek means 
Dorcas, okay, good call on the Tabitha. Um, the Dorcas, I don't know, maybe it was popular back then, uh, but she, it seems as though she's kind of like, you know, I know my parents named me Dorcas, but just call me Tabitha, okay? Gazelle, gazelle is what that means, okay? So she's a believer. She lives in Joppa. Verse, or continue on in that verse, it says, she, always, she was always doing kind things for others and helping the poor. She was ministering. She's a very effective lady in the town of Joppa. We get a little bit more insight as, as to what she was doing uh, a little bit further on, but it says here that about this time, as Peter is there healing Aeneas, or Aeneas, about that same time, she became ill and died. Died. Like, dead. Flatline. Okay? This isn't like she's just like a coma or, no, no, dead. Her friends prepared for her a burial and laid her in an upstairs room. That's an indication that she probably is a well-off lady as well. To have an upstairs room that you can designate to your friends to keep your body, that speaks of, of her status, meaning she's, she, probably, she probably has some money. But here are her friends. They prepare her for burial because she's dead, all right? I'm not a medical expert. But I have, I've, I, and unfortunately, I've been in the presence of people who have passed away. And there are clear indications of when individuals pass away. Now, sometimes things happen and they come right back to life, and it's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. She's dead, and her, her friends, her loving friends, have all gathered together and prepared her. They've washed her and prepared her for burial. She's gone. But here's the beauty of the story. Their hope, and we have that right here. Hope still remains. That's a common sermon title I give for a lot of messages. It's, bur- it's, it's forever tattooed on my arm, okay? Uh, hope still remains. Their hope still remained. Peter's like 10 miles away. Sweet, somebody go get him. Somebody go get him. Why? She's dead. No, no, no. Somebody go get Peter. Get him over here. Maybe he can pray for her, and maybe, just maybe, the Lord wants to do something here. Maybe he can just conduct the funeral. Maybe that's what they're hoping. We don't know, but they send for him because they're one of their best friends, a lady who was very influential within the church and the community there in Joppa, which was a town that is known for Jonah, the guy who was running away from God, okay, hopping on the boat, trying to sail up to Tarshish to get as far away from the calling that God had on his life as he possibly could. Here within that same town, you have Tabitha, who is... She has answered her call, and she's doing it faithfully and beautifully, and then she dies. It says, verse 38, but they heard that Peter was nearby at Lydda, and so they sent two men to beg him, please come as soon as possible. Get here now. Verse 39, so Peter returned with them. I love that. There's no hesitation on Peter's part at all. Their message to him is probably this, um, we need you to come to Tabitha's house. Uh, she's a faithful disciple. Man, she has been used by God tremendously. She's just fallen ill, and she has passed away. We need you to come right now. And Peter's like, well, you know, I'm kind of busy. I mean, I got my planner, and uh, I'm, I'm booked, man. I'm booked. I got this speaking engagement here. I got this healing service now over here. It's crazy. It's just blowing up like crazy now. Um, but I'm just, I don't know, a dead person? I don't have time for dead people. That's the problem with the church sometimes. We don't have time for dead people. Peter's like, what? Okay, I'm on my way. 
I'm on my way. He answered the call. Um, we're dealing with dead people all the time. I don't know if you guys know this, but you're born a sinner. You're born dead in your sins. That's the reality of humanity. Like it or not, you're born a sinner. I was born a sinner, born dead in my sins. I needed to be born again, and I was, 19 years old. That's when I was reborn. We are surrounded by dead people. Christians ought to have time for dead people. That's kind of like why we're here. So if somebody calls on you and says, hey, I got somebody in my family, they're dead. Our response as believers should be, I'll be right over. I'll be right over. I get it. Life's crazy. Life's hectic. Sometimes there's conflicts and all that stuff. But I think the church gets lulled into this like complacency where we're just like, oh, you know, I, I'll pray for them. It's good. That's awesome if we actually do that. I think the church needs to be a little bit more like Peter. He's like, all right, sweet, let's go. Let's go. Yeah, let's go, let's go to the dead people. You don't think Jesus can raise them back to life? He's in the business of doing that. And I would assume that many of you are in this room today because he did that for you. I don't know who was a participant in your life. I don't know who the Peter was in your life. But I would hope and assume that many of you are, are here today because Jesus is in the business of bringing dead people to life. And here's Peter, gets a message of Tabitha, good old Dorcas, is dead. And he's like, sweet, let's go. Spirit's moving. Boom, let's go. Obviously, you know, he's led by the Spirit. He's filled with the Holy Spirit. And he's making his way to Tabitha's house, probably having no idea what in the world is going to happen. But he's been with Jesus. Jairus' daughter was dead, Mark chapter 5. She was dead. And Jesus walked into the room, and all the people that were paid to be mourners heard Jesus say this, she's not dead, she's asleep. And they all laughed at Jesus. And he kicked them out of the room. I love that. I love those details. Thank you, Jesus. Yes. Yeah, it's okay to kick people out sometimes. It is, all right? I mean, listen, these people were mocking Jesus as if he doesn't know what he's doing, as if he doesn't know what he's talking about. Jesus shoes them out, keeps with them three disciples. Peter is one of those guys. Peter is there as Jesus takes this little girl, says, Talitha kume, or kumai, little lamb, rise up. Little lamb, get up. And what'd she do? She got up, and he says, hey, how about somebody feed this kid? She's hungry, right? She's been dead. She's hungry. Somebody take care of this kid. Get her some food. Peter walks into this scenario with that memory fresh on his brain. Spend time with Jesus. Spend time with Jesus, and then you might just know what to do when you end up in a situation like this. Best advice I can give you. There's your personal application. Spend more time with Jesus. If you don't know where to start, if you haven't been reading your Bibles through the year, daily Bible reading, just pick a gospel. Pick a gospel and hang out with Jesus. Learn from him. And if you find yourself in a situation kind of like this, or maybe you're, you're in somebody's house and, yeah, they're physically alive, but they're spiritually dead, you might get a word from Jesus saying, hey, here's what you need to say. Here's what you need to say. And watch them raise to new life. 
So Peter goes with them. As soon as he arrived, they took him upstairs to the upstairs room. The room was filled with widows who were weeping and what? Showing him the coats and other garments Dorcas had made for them. This lady is incredible. Peter brought a guy, he healed a guy who was paralyzed, but Dorcas has been demonstrating her spiritual gift for years now. Incredible. And I heard uh, J. Vernon McGee talk about this. And he's like, you know what we need? We don't need more people who can raise people from the dead or pull paralyzed people off the ground. What we need is more people who know how to practically serve other people. That would be nice. Just do more practical stuff. She was gifted at this, and she used that talent to bless other people. And in doing so, God was glorified. She made these ladies. These ladies are too poor. They can't afford anything. And so what'd she do? She's like, I know how to make clothes. I'll make you clothes. And that's incredible. Here's this lady. She probably didn't have to. She probably had money. She didn't have to worry about any of that stuff. But she knows I'm not here for myself. I'm here to minister to others and to bring glory to God. So what can I do? I know how to work a sewing machine. I'll make you clothes. You can't afford clothes, I'll make them for you. That's nuts. That's awesome. She's the coolest lady ever. You get to heaven, go find her. Hang out with her. She's going to be incredible to hang out with. Dorcas, she's killing it in, in Joppa. I mean, she's just going for it. She's just serving the Lord. It's awesome. And here's all these widows. These widows, ones who are, I mean, man, they're left all alone. They have no one else. Oh, but they have Tabitha. They have Tabitha. That's why we feel it's Calvary Galveston. It's, it's, it's our responsibility to go after widows and orphans. That's why in nursing home ministry, it is not a retirement home. It is a nursing home ministry. You have widows, both men and women, that they need a Tabitha in their life. They need a Tabitha in their life. And we'll be part of that solution. We're not the only solution. Praise God for our friends over at Coastal because they're doing the same thing. And there are other churches on the island that are trying to minister to these ones that we've been called to minister to, to the orphans. I got to drop off some car seats to um, another foster care ministry in Friendswood. You know, a church has given them a whole closet, says you can store all your stuff in here. The ladies got keys and everything to it. And we were able to bless those guys with some car seats that we got from Calvary Houston. And so we get to do that type of stuff. Why? Because they matter. Because everyone matters. And these are small little bits and pieces that we get to help out and plug in. And we're going to continue to do that. Because people in this world need more Tabithas. They just do. Deserving of it or not, not your call. It's not your call. People of this world need more Tabithas, period. Here's these ladies, and they're just showing Peter. They're like, look, look at all this. I have this, this awesome whatever it is because she made it for me. And here's Peter, and these ladies are testifying of how just faithful Tabitha is. Verse 40, Peter asked them all to leave the room. He's like, oh, can you guys just get out? <laughs> I'm gonna, you probably said it nicely. Why would he do that? Because they're not like the mourners. They're not the professional mourners who were mocking Jesus. No, these are ones who are like testifying of this lady's faithfulness. He's like, oh, I don't know what I'm going to do. Can you guys just leave the room? Because I need some time with just me and Jesus and her, Tabitha, that lady on the table right there. Like, uh, I would probably do the same thing. Can everybody just step out of the room? Because, uh, man, I need to beg and cry out to God because I don't know why I'm here. 
I don't know what he wants me to do. But there's Peter. And what it, it's very resemble, it just resembles that story with Jairus' daughter. He gets everybody out of the room. Then he knelt and prayed. Key. Absolutely key. You're going to do something crazy like this. Your first step should be on your knees praying. Whether it's raising somebody from the dead, which is apparently an elementary type thing if you read the book of Hebrews. Like, yeah, we could go talk about more about raising people from the dead, but that's elementary type stuff. You should be well past that. And I'm like, what? Because I'm not. Like, am I in preschool? Because I don't understand this totally. But yeah, here's Peter. He's like, okay, listen, um, Lord, what do you want to do? Why am I here? But he prays. We don't know what he prays. When we have an inkling of maybe what he's told to do, but all we know is that he prayed. And sometimes that's all we need to know as believers. It's just that he prayed. Well, what am I supposed to pray? I don't know. The Book of Romans says the Holy Spirit in you will sometimes give you the words you need when you need them. So just trust him. But it's always a good idea to get on your knees and pray. Always. Always a good idea. He turns to the body and he says, Tabitha, kumai. It's very similar. It's actually only one letter difference between Talitha and Tabitha. So Peter's like, Phew, so glad I was there. Um, so glad I was part of this. What do I know to do? I don't know what to do other than to mimic and copy Jesus. Hey, you can't go wrong. Let me tell you right now. Model your life after Jesus. Can't go wrong. You can't go wrong. Tabitha, kumai. Or Tabitha, get up. Gazelle, get up. Little lamb, Talitha, gazelle, or Tabitha. He just turns her and he, he just shares with her what he saw Jesus share with the little girl years before. Not a bad idea. And what happens? And she opened her eyes. Now, we don't know how long this lady has been dead, but there are things that start to happen to the body once you die, okay? The body knows how to take care of itself when it's done, okay? So the decomposition happens and all that stuff. I was listening to another guy teach on this, Joe Foch out of uh, Calvary Chapel, Philadelphia. And he mentioned that, you know, she's on the bed. There's a good chance her eyes could have dropped into her skull and all this stuff. And literally, you could have just had this pop like this. Eyeballs like popping back in the socket like, ah, what's going on? Um, I don't know. Use your imagination. But there's Peter. It's like, uh, Tabitha, get up. Maybe. No, he's already not fingers crossed. He's like, no, Jesus told me to tell you, hey, Tabitha, get up. And then boom, she's up. She's there. She is there. She may be thinking like, dude, what are you doing? I was in the best place. I was with him. Why did you do this? I don't know. There have been stories. I got a friend of mine who actually did pass away on a table uh, and was brought back to life. I can't remember how, how long he was actually dead. He's got a whole experience, things he saw, walking with Jesus, like literally walking with Jesus. And uh, he was brought back to life. And he's like, no. He's like, no. Like, let me go back. That guy is an incredible man who is uh, being used tremendously by God to plant churches all over the place because of what he saw, because of what he saw. Here's Tabitha. She opens her eyes. When she saw Peter, she sat up. He gave her his hand and helped her up. What a gentleman. Then he called in the widows and all the believers, and he showed them that she was alive. Verse 42, and the news raced throughout the whole town, and many, not all, but many, believed 
in the Lord. Believed in Peter? No. They believed in Jesus. They believed in Jesus. And Peter stayed a long time in Joppa. Here's the craziest part about this whole story. You think a paralyzed guy getting healed and then a dead lady getting raised back to life is crazy. That's not even the craziest part. The craziest part is who he, he hangs out with in Joppa. It says, and Peter stayed a long time in Joppa living with Simon, the tanner of hides or the leather worker, the guy who takes dead animals, skins them, and uses their hides. That dude's unclean. That's an unclean guy. If you were a lady and you got betrothed to a guy like this, not knowing what he did, and then you found out what he did, you had every right to divorce him. You had every right to walk away from that relationship because that dude's unclean continually. So for Peter, a Jew, to hang out with Simon for a long time, living with him, smelling all those smells, all that stuff, that's a step in the right direction for Peter. Isn't it amazing how the Lord brings us on a journey? And that's what I'm saying. Sometimes we just got to get out there. Sometimes you just got to trust the Lord and take that step and just go on the adventure. You might end up in a town where there's a paralyzed individual and the Lord uses you to restore them back to their health. That may or may not happen. Maybe you're just used to do a very simple thing in their lives, but you become a blessing to them. And then, oh, and then I go here and then there's this other story over here. Man, I was, the Lord used me over here and, and the Lord got all the glory and praise. And then and then I found myself basically hanging out VRBO with this dude for a while, and I don't even get a lot. I mean, I'm not even supposed to hang out with this guy. But that's where the Lord called me because he needed to position me in a place where I'm going to have the most tremendous vision anyone has ever had. You want to talk about walls being torn down? That happens in Acts chapter 10, majorly so. And God is going to use Peter in that story. But he's positioning Peter. He's putting him in the right spot at the right time. And that's just how the Lord does it, guys. Sometimes it's, a, it's like a blast of cold water. Other times, he's just very gracious and gentle with you, moving you and preparing you for what he has next. That's the story with Peter. It's no coincidence that he leaves Jerusalem. It's no coincidence that he finds this paralyzed guy and he's used by God to heal this guy and the whole town gets saved. And then it's no coincidence that he happens to be 10 miles away from Dorcas who dies and then God uses Peter to raise her back to life and more people get saved. And then he just so happens to bunk up with this dude named Simon and it's at his house where this vision is going to take place and the doors for the gospel to go to the Gentiles are going to be blown off their hinges. The Lord knows what he's doing. He absolutely knows what he's doing. You absolutely can trust him. Spend more time with him. Hang out with Jesus in his word. Get to know him. Get familiar with him, what he says, how he acts, what he does in certain situations, because you might find yourself in that situation, and you want to just do what he did. That's what you want to do. You want to do what he did and just trust him. Listen, following Jesus, is, it's the coolest thing ever. Absolutely, hands down, the coolest thing ever. It's an adventure. It's difficult at times. It is totally worth it. Whatever he has on the other side of earth, you know, with forever with him, listen, it's going to blow us all away. But in the meantime, go on the adventure with Jesus. Just go on the adventure with him. Hopeless, hopeless, red for the broken 
That's all we have time for today at Bread for the Broken, but we're so glad that you joined us as Pastor James continues through the book of Acts. This book is a powerful representation of how the church first began. It contains a variety of snapshots into effective ways of sharing the gospel. Some apostles shared in large groups, while others taught in more intimate settings. Some taught the gospel through words, and others shared through signs and wonders. Do you wrestle with sharing who Jesus is? Be encouraged. As long as you're teaching the hope and truth of Jesus, there is no wrong way. If you'd like prayer in this area, we would love to pray for you. Visit breadforthebroken.com, click on the contact tab, and let us know how we can be praying. If you'd like to listen to more teachings like this, you can find them too when you visit breadforthebroken.com. Just click on the teachings tab. You'll also be able to learn more about Calvary Galveston at our website, as well as find directions to our location. Calvary Galveston is a church of ordinary people seeking to live as Jesus did. We meet every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. So if you're ever in the Galveston area, we would love to meet you. Our atmosphere is relaxed, so just come as you are. You can find out more and get directions on our website. Again, that's breadforthebroken.com. Thanks for listening to Pastor James's teaching today. Know that we're praying for you, and we hope you'll join us to continue digging into the book of Acts next time on Bread for the Broken.